Wings for the game. Boom. Cash back. New lucky jersey. Boom. Cash back. Even a last-minute ice run can score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the W, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees? Period. I'm telling you, this one is a game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Wings for the game. Boom, cash back. New lucky jersey. Boom, cash back. Even a last minute ice run can score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the W, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees? Period. I'm telling you, this one is a game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. We are back. It is a Thursday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show here. Ian Mendes, Sean McIndoo with you uh, here at the end of August. We know there's not a ton of uh, things to talk about that might be newsworthy, but there's lots of fun things we can sink our teeth into in this episode uh, of the podcast. We'll talk about, uh, you know, Bill Daly has uh, spoken to the media this week out in the NHL, NHLPA European Tour. A little bit of news coming out of that. Uh, the NHL 23 EA Sports cover athletes have been unveiled. A little bit of history there. I uh, got a great question from a listener uh, on on voicemail about uh, the New York Islanders. Some other fun questions. And you know what? Actually, Sean, maybe that's where we'll start is the Islanders. Because if I'm not mistaken, last week we opened the podcast and and you took a pretty healthy run at Lou Lamorello for being secretive maybe about Nazem Kadri. Now, I'm going to offer you the opportunity. Do, do you feel the need that you need to to apologize to Lou Lamorello for anything you said last week? All right. So, first of all, <laughs> I will accept the uh, the the thank yous from everyone in the hockey world for conjuring up news out of nowhere because – we there was nothing going on a week ago when we did the show. I spent ten minutes talking about Nazem Kadri, and before we could even get that podcast into the ears of the public, he had already signed uh, with a completely different team. So yeah, I boy, do I owe an apology to Lou Lamorello? I don't think I do because the Islanders are still doing the stuff. That I was referring to the 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 <laughs> not announcing contracts. I mean, they did just this week. They did out of nowhere like announced three extensions that apparently, according to some, had already been done for a while. So I, I you know I don't feel like I was off base on that. Even though, yeah, I mean, most of my my frustration was focused around the potential <laughs> that they that they yeah. had Nazem Kadri. But I always said potential. I wasn't looking to break any news. I feel like I I put a lot of. Uh, you know, a, a lot of maybes and ifs and all that sort of thing into the statement. So I, I don't think I owe him an apology. I probably should apologize anyways, just because it's Lou and I don't want to wake up with, uh, you know, 
a horse's head in my in my bed or yeah. whatever. But uh, I'm I feel like I'm okay. So look, last week we we do the podcast and we even said we even prefaced it by saying you know as soon as we are done recording and we go to drop this episode, Nazem Kadri is going to sign, which it. he did. He, he he signed with with Calgary. <laughs> now I want to know. Um, you know what else do we want to will into existence this yeah. week? Like, like what what are we looking for here? I was, what, uh, I mean, you know, the thing that I'm really mad about uh, is, uh, boy, I, what if Igor Shosturkin gets traded to the Leafs? Oh, I'd be so mad if that were to happen out of nowhere. I don't, feel, I don't think this one's gonna work. No, it doesn't feel the the authenticity. Everyone's authenticity meter is yeah. Yeah, maybe it's not quite working. Isn't quite. We'll work on that. I don't know. There's got to be something. Is there anyone left? Are there any? Yeah, you know what? Like for Ottawa fans, I feel like I want to will Jacob Chikrin to Ottawa. Sure. Just for Senators fans. Yeah. Yeah. Because Kadri was like the last. It felt like, and we were like, we were almost dumbfounded that Kadri was available on the market as of the middle of August. But he was like the last big piece. Like I, I guess well, you can look at Jake Chickren and say he's a little bit of like he's here, a dominant, but he's got three years left one. on his deal. Yeah, and and I've said before, I don't think you know. I I, I really feel like that was a uh, a semi bluff by you know that that if you play poker, you know that you know there's there's the all out bluff, and then there's the semi bluff where you go, you know, I don't really want anyone to bite on this, but if if somebody did, I'd be okay with it. And that is always what I felt the Coyotes were doing. They're putting the guy's name out there, making it sound like they got to trade him. They don't have to trade him. They're happy to keep him. But if that should happen to cause a phone call to come in and you know somebody gets serious, then uh, then you do it. But I wasn't surprised he can get moved at the deadline. He, here's a guy that maybe we we need to summon. If have we all forgotten about JT Miller out in Vancouver? Like, didn't it feel yeah. like that oh, had to yeah. happen? Or at least that it was, you know, a, 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 a significant decision that Vancouver had to make. Not that they had to trade him or even that they had to extend it, but that they had to plant a flag and say, this is what we're doing. And the fact that we're almost at the end of August and they haven't, you know, it, maybe I've missed it, but I don't feel like there's any clarity on that coming out of Vancouver. No. You know what? Yeah, you're right. Like JT Miller was absolutely a name that was uh, at the top of the, the the trade boards in the summer, and then it just kind of went all silent there. You're right. Um, that's you know what we we, we talked about the, the Coyotes, and you said that, that that maybe they just want to float his name out there and, and kind of you know on, on Jacob Chicken. Uh, I feel like we need to talk about this because this came out either late Wednesday or early Thursday, um, and I don't know that enough attention has been paid to this. Uh, the Coyotes, of course, are going to be playing at the home of the Arizona uh, uh, Arizona State University, right? They're playing yep. at the arena, which has a capacity of five thousand people. Um, did Did you hear what the new arena name is going to be? Yeah, I did. Like, I, I was f- very excited. I I feel like we need to pass this along to the listeners. So why don't you, Sean? Why don't you tell the listeners uh, the Arizona Coyotes are going to be playing at Arizona State's? Uh, arena this season and it is it's got a new name what's the name yeah and it it's it, we should say it's named after it's it's like a donor i think it's a fa- yeah i think it's, it's a, a, a longtime supporters of the of the program right. and and of schools um uh, the athletic so they program didn't the sun devils this program. like on their own they weren't just like ah this would be this was this was based on donors but it's it's <laughs> going to be called mullet arena this is not a joke like the arena. A hockey arena is going to be named 
Mullet Arena. Uh, like, <laughs> did they? Uh, and this is a serious question. Is is it um, though? No, there is a serious question. <laughs> okay. Do you think that you know? Because obviously, when when you're involved with with uh, athletics programs at the at the college university high level, like mm-hmm. these are very important uh, decisions when you name something after somebody. Yes. And yeah. I'm sure that there was some checks and balances. Do you think at mm-hmm. any point somebody raised their hand in a boardroom setting and said, "Just hang on here, gang." Yeah. Do we need to think about Mullet Arena that? There's going to be some jokes, or are we all good with this? Like, do you think I, it was actually brought up? I feel like it maybe was like an off the record conversation. I, you know, I, maybe it's not there in like the notes, but maybe this is something where you know it's uh, over lunch. Somebody goes, "Hey, mullet arena, we we good with that?" But I, yeah, it's uh, it is uh, it's it's. <laughs> It's it's a strange thing. Now we yeah. did we have this conversation before when we were talking about the origin of the word mullet? I have not had this conversation. And that, with and, you, no. and that the uh, the like when is your first memory of talking about a mullet? <laughs> You're gonna laugh at this because it's yeah. not even hockey related. Mm-hmm. It's it's Billy Ray Cyrus. Yeah. Okay. Like, well, whatever year, what, what was that? What was that song? Was it Achy, Achy Breaky Heart, right? Was that Billy Ray Cyrus? Yep. So yeah, yeah. for the younger listeners, this is Miley's dad. And I feel like that was the first time that, like, like I had always heard it referred to as hockey hair before. Yes. And then in and around Billy Ray Cyrus, I feel like that's when the term mullet came. And then Yaramir Yager was kind of around that same time. And then, am I wrong on that? Or like, when did you hear the term mullet? So th- this is the thing is, uh, you know, I can remember making fun of the hairstyle uh, for a long time and that it was something that did not actually have a name until the uh, the Beastie Boys started using it in a song in the mid-90s. 1994 apparently is when this haircut got its name, and so what, so here's the thing. But like, I thought I, it was Billy Ray. Is that the right time? Is that around? I feel like Billy. Ray, I feel like that was a little bit earlier, but I'm not. Yeah, uh, maybe. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, apparently, maybe. you know, I'm, I'm I'm looking here on the uh, the American hip hop group, the Beastie Boys, who used mullet and mullet head as epithets in their 1994 song Mullet Head, combining it with a description of the haircut. Now we definitely made fun of the haircut before that. I definitely remember, you know, like Yarmir Yager at the 1990 draft, like that was a mullet, but nobody was saying mullet back then. Hockey hair, I think, was, you know, yeah. what we would have said. And maybe, you know, with, with Billy Ray, you might have made fun of it. But it's one of those weird things because you're just like, as, you know, people our age, like, oh, we had that term as a kid. Like, there's no way that wasn't something that we were saying. And apparently, until the Beastie Boys in the mid 90s, that, was was not a thing, which was probably good times for this uh, this particular donor family. It, it all started to go downhill when when that album came out. Oh, man, now I feel so lame because you drop a Beastie Boys reference. I'm like, I yeah. believe it was Billy Ray Cyrus. Yes, I, I know. Like yeah, that it's yeah. Kinda, it gives you a sense of where we're coming pop culture oh. wise. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Anyway, so for for fans who are wondering, because I think before it was called the Gila River Arena is where the Coyotes used to play. They're out of there. 
and into Mullet Arena. So yeah, insert uh, insert joke there. But uh, like maybe at some point, like and and we'll we'll get to this later because we we had a, we ended the show last week on a little bit of a hair themed about redheaded. That's athletes. true. When we got were a lot Alexi, of feedback on that. Oh. We we got more people feedback were not on that. happy at guys that were left off the list of 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 the redheaded team. Now here's a question I have for you because a bunch of people tweeted at me and and I think you as well and said how is Larry Robinson not on your list of of best redheaded yeah. headed players and I'm in my mind I don't picture. Larry Robinson is a redhead. Yeah, Am it's, I wrong it's a little this? bit of a weird. I, I, I mean, I think you are wrong because you, you look up pictures of him, and you know, in the seventies, he, yeah, I would say he was a redhead, but he, he's not. He wasn't like the bright redhead. He wasn't like Lanny McDonald level redhead. And then the, the other problem with him is, even at the end of his playing career with Montreal and certainly in L.A., and then when he becomes a coach, like he had gone gray by then. So, um. I think, you know, that that maybe wipes it out a little bit. Yeah, no, I, I mean, he would – there's there's like different levels of, of redheaded athlete, right? Like there's, you know, there, there's the guys that you're like, yeah, okay, yeah, I could see it. And then there's guys where you're like, holy smokes, look at look at that guy. The the one that people were mad at me about was Freddie Anderson. They're like, you know what, you've, ar- you've already turned your back on Freddie Anderson, former <laughs> right. Maple Leaf starter. And yeah, you know, that's I, – I, I, I concede on that one. I, I should have uh, – I should have had Freddie in mind. Yeah, I guess in my mind, I use Carrot Top as like my like that well, is my. Jeez, talk about. I mean, that's like I, <laughs> that's like saying you know. In my mind, I use Mario Lemieux as like my my uh, first first line forward. So you know, yeah. anyone who isn't there, the other one that uh, <laughs> and and you know, you being a a Vancouver guy, sort of. Uh, I don't think we mentioned the Sedins. No, and I know there were quite a few ball. people. Yeah. Quite a few people. And, you know, people in Vancouver are very, they're very uh, chill about uh, two Eastern guys forgetting the city. The they were they were absolutely fine with that. There was no, uh, yeah, they, uh, sorry. I mean, if you wanted us to pay attention to the Sedins, you shouldn't have played your games in the middle of the night. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> you know, I uh, I also, uh, let me just read, a, you know what, let me just read a couple of uh, emails we got, some feedback we got. From our li- uh, our listeners last week about you know we were making up the all time redheaded team. Uh, Josh is like I love off season hockey podcasts because debating uh, what color a hair uh, what hair color a player has is peak entertainment. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gord from Calgary uh, wrote in and said uh, my all time starting lineup of of redheaded's you got to include Red Kelly and Red Berenson. Sure. I don't have an extensive database of hockey players hair color in my mind, but I'm pretty sure the only way you can get the nickname red is if you have red hair. That And that, right? There's no other way. Unless you're like one of those people that while you're working out, like your face gets really red. Yeah. There, I mean, there's a lot of reds out there. Um, I, but, I'm looking it, at pictures that, of, I'm looking at pictures of red Barons and I'm not sure, but red Kelly definitely was red Kelly at the, uh, the, the, but that's a name that's been just completely phased out. Red. Right, that's like as a nickname, even. Yeah, as it used to be a very common hockey name. I'm looking down, Red Kelly, Red Berenson. I'm looking. Red I'm, Warner, I'm trying right? to was find the Red most. Warner? Yeah, there's a Red Horner. Yeah. Uh, Red Dutton was even uh, uh, an important figure. I, I I can't find anyone who was a recent Red. Recent Red. Yeah, we gotta exactly. get this back, man. We, what's going on? Somebody. Okay, let's let's do. We we have the opportunity. We talked about how n- hockey nicknames, nicknames are bad. Yep. 
there's got to be it's got to be somebody youngish. You know, pick somebody, I, some, God, some, here, some fan base out there, pick some redheaded kid. And that's it. It's red. You know, I dropped the ball on this. I uh, earlier today, I had a chance. I, I spent some time with Claude Giroux, who yep. is a redhead. Yeah. Right. And mm-hmm. I'm thinking I should have I could have been I, I have the opportunity. I could just start referring to him as Red Giroux. And mm-hmm. see, I feel like he's but he's, he's 34 maybe, now. The ship has sailed on that. one. Yeah. I feel a little bit. It's got to be so. like a new guy. That you just, you know, some fan base out there, I'm just saying, it doesn't even have to be now, but training camp's about to open. You're going to have that moment where they're like, and here's, you know, he's the odd draft pick who's making a run at at making the team. And you're going to see the guy and you're going to be like, I didn't know that kid. That guy's got to be red. Just something, just do it. Just, you don't have to ask permission. This is the problem with nicknames. We keep asking the players what their nicknames are. That's, it's not their job. It's our job. As fans and media to come up with these nicknames, let's just pick somebody. Yeah. And by the way, Ted has also written to us and said September 23rd is Ginger Appreciation Day on the calendar. I suggest you guys drop the article that day. So we did say, you know, at some point, maybe you drop, maybe that's the day to do it. September 23rd, the greatest September 23rd. Put September that in your down goes round. All right. Yeah, September 23rd. Put that in your down goes round. Well, now round. I got to look and see if there's Editorial any redheaded calendar. players who were born on September 23rd. Well, then that, that's mean, the that's, all time. That's our greatest. guy right there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, but that's, that might take a little more research. The, the intern might need to get on that. Yeah. Uh, again, that internship program is stalled. Uh, we'll we'll yes. have to re, re, so restart it. We're still, we're still working on that one. Sorry. We're, yeah. uh, we're trying to, we're trying to get that one going. Wings for the game, boom, cash back. New lucky jersey, boom, cash back. Even a last-minute ice run can score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking a W, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees, period? I'm telling you, this one is a game-changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Wings for the game. Boom, cash back. New lucky jersey. Boom, cash back. Even a last minute ice run can score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the W, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees? Period. I'm telling you, this one is a game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Uh, you know, we're, we're getting the start of the season. One of the signs that you know that the season is on on around the corner uh, the NHL, the NHLPA, they kind of do a, a media tour. Uh, European players are doing theirs in Paris uh, this week. I think the North American guys are going to be in Vegas uh, next week, I believe, uh, at some point. And so uh, Bill Daly, uh, Deputy Commissioner of the National Hockey League, was over there. And I think one of the interesting things that Bill Daly came up with, Sean, is the idea that we can go ahead and pretty much lock it in. Uh, World Cup of Hockey is coming back in February of 2024. And once again, they are going to block off of 
basically a two and a half week window in February of 2024 to hold the tournament. So for the first time ever, what used to be called the Canada Cup and then it became the World Cup, um, it's going to be played in season, not in September, not before the season. Um, it's in, it's you know we're hope they're hoping this is going to be a regular thing. Uh, I mean, how long will it take for you to get right back? Like, are you going to be right back into the World Cup of Hockey in 2024? So. Is this going to take a couple of couple of goes to, to get no, it right I, or what? I I like the World Cup. I you know I I grew up loving the Canada Cup. Now that was before uh, top players were going to the Olympics. Um, but yeah, I mean the idea of a best on best tournament. Uh, I've I've always enjoyed them. And yeah, I mean the 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 last it's taken a bit of a a downturn since the Olympics. It's now the number two tournament, but that's if we're going to the Olympics. We haven't been in the Olympics in a, a couple of uh, times. So um there is there is room certainly for for best on best tournaments. I you don't want to overdo it, but I always felt like an Olympics every four years and a World Cup in between. That sounds about right to me. It works yeah. for soccer. It, uh, you know, it, it, if anything, you know, we need it. We need more of them just to establish the consistency. You know, this thing where they just sort of happen or they don't and they let us know. Um, you know, I, I would like to get into an every four years, uh, you know, you, when you know it's coming. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm used to it being in September, the, the way the Canada Cup and the, the previous World Cups were. If they want to move it to the season, that's, that's fine. I mean, I, I do find it interesting that the NHL was kicking and screaming about the Olympics because they had to shut down the season. And suddenly when the money's going into their pockets, it doesn't seem like it's a big problem anymore. But yeah, uh, you know what? I, I'd like to see it. Um, and, and I'm in on it. And, uh, you know, if it's, it's always a little bit tricky. You know, what, what countries are going in? How do you do qualifying, uh, you know, for, for which teams do you, do you even have qualifying for? Um, you know, obviously 2016, they got creative with Team Europe and Team North America. I, I wasn't, I certainly wasn't a fan of the concept, uh, you know, in, in practice, having the young gun team was, was pretty cool, but I'd, I'd rather not see that stick around, but, um, you know, figure it out and let's, let's go, let's get some good, uh, let's get some good actual true best on best hockey going. I mean, like, I don't, I, 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 I have said before, I don't care about the world championships. I really don't. Cause that's not no. best on best. That's whoever didn't make the playoffs or, you know, I don't. All full respect to whoever's out there competing for the Spangler Cup or whatever, but I, I don't, I don't care. I care about best on best, and on the men's side, that is Olympics when the NHL goes, and it's World Cup, and I'd love to see more of them. Do you, do you have any concern if uh, I'll use your, look? You're a Leafs fan. I'll use the Leafs as an example that this tournament's being played in February, which is, you know, probably just before the trade deadline and just before the kind of stretch drive of the uh, the Stanley Cup playoffs. And let's say we get to February 2024 and the Leafs are still in their con- you know window to contend. And, uh, you know, Mitch Marner's playing for Team Canada. And as much as you mm-hmm. want to see Mitch Marner score a, a big goal and help Canada win a, a championship of the World Cup, he's putting his body on the line for something that has nothing to do with the Leafs. Like, does that pop? Like, does that come into play? I mean, it's the same thing with the Olympics, I guess, but it is. I don't know. And, and right? obviously, you know, the, the Dominic Hasek thing with the senators is the, Boy, the classic well, you flipped example. that one around right? real quick on me. Yeah. Here, right. well, I, mean, to... but I mean, that's the one, right? 2006. Yeah. Uh, he's yeah. 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 That, 
theoretically could have cost the Senators a Stanley Cup. Um, and I, there have been others like John Tavares with the Islanders got got hurt one year. I remember, and, and, and even Steve Eiserman in 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 O two, um, he was mm-hmm. pretty banged up when they won in Salt Lake. Like he won that Stanley Cup that spring, I think, on one leg in O two. Yep. Yeah, Detroit, so it, right, but you know, my answer is look. Obviously, if if Mitch Marner blows out an ACL playing for Canada, that yes, I'll be upset as a Leafs fan. But it's you know, the risk is the same more or less for all the contenders. You know, it's 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 not like you know, all oh, the Leafs are sending all their players, and you know, Tampa's not, and you know, everyone at Tampa is just sitting at home resting up. Or you know, if if there was some sort of scenario like that, then yeah, maybe, but. It's if it's the same for all the teams. Look, we're marketing the game, we're building new fans, we're creating moments for the existing fans. Uh, injuries are unfortunately part of hockey. You'd, you'd hate to see it happen, and and it would uh, it would suck to have it happen to your favorite team. But I, it's not a reason not to do it. Um, you you just hope that uh, you know that good luck is with us, and that it's uh, everyone's kept as safe as possible. Yeah, the NHL uh, and NHLPA, like I said, they've got these kind of media tours going on and this is kind of the, the time of year where they're starting to promote the upcoming season. Uh, the gang at EA Sports, one of the things that we're always interested in is who's going to be the cover athlete um, for EA Sports uh, video game. NHL 23 is going to have a pair of athletes on the cover and for the first time ever, we're going to get a women's hockey player there. Sarah Nurse uh, is, mm-hmm. uh, is alongside Trevor Zegras on the cover of EA Sports NHL 23. Um, this feels like a big moment, right? Where they're uh, they're giving a significant platform to a women's hockey, uh, women's hockey player that, you know, mm-hmm. you don't often see this type of marketing uh, being done. And I think obviously it, it feels like a great step in the right direction. Yeah, it's, it's, it's nice to see. And it's, uh, you know, it is marketing, but that's, that's good. We, we want to market and we want to market the product. And when I say the product, I'm talking not just a video game, but also the sport in general uh, to, to a wider audience. So, you know, I don't mind them getting a little bit uh, creative and, you know, there's no, there's no rules written in stone that, oh, it has to be one player and it must be an NHL and blah, blah, blah. No, I mean, the fact that you've got, uh, you know, a women's star and you've got a younger marketable player from a Southern market, you know, sure. We, I, we did Austin Matthews last year. I know a lot of people were saying, you know, could, do we go? Do you go back to Connor McDavid? Is this Kale McCarr? Is he the the next guy that that you want to that you want to market as a star? Um, you know, that'd be cool too. But look, we know. Um, I know. I've, I've seen people saying like, well, it's only hockey fans are playing a hockey video game. So why are you trying to market beyond? That's that's just not true. I mean, how many fans out there? Their first link into hockey was playing the old NHL video games, or you know, how like I. I really started getting into the NFL after I started playing the heck out of Madden. Um, there's Great. lots of fans for whom that's like, that's the entry point into, into becoming a fan. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you can attract a few people, look, I'm, I'm not, I've got no skin in the game as far as how many copies of the game they sell. I don't know if that's, uh, you know, that's, that's not my job to care about that, but I don't mind seeing some, some new faces on, the marketing that gets done by the league, and in this case, by its partners. Trevor Zegers, I, I, I mentioned also on the uh, the cover of NHL 23, he was in the news cycle this week for changing his number. Uh, Zegers goes from 46 in his rookie year to 11. Like, 46 always felt like that's a training camp number, right? Like 100%. It, it, it 100%. Didn't. Yeah. So he moves to number 11. I love this little promotion that the Ducks are doing. 
Okay? So the Ducks are actually going to, and, and, and Jamie Drysdale is changing his number as well uh, from his rookie season. Um, and, and they're going to do a meet and greet. So Zegers and Drysdale are going to do a meet and greet with uh, Ducks fans at their team store with their new jerseys. And I love this, okay? And, and um, uh, basically fan, fans owning a Zegers number 46 jersey will receive 46% off the new jersey if they want to purchase the new jersey of Zegers. They'll get 46% okay. off. And so if you have a Zegers 46 jersey and you're a Ducks fan, you're like, damn, I bought mm -hmm. this guy's jersey. He's switching it. They're like, it's okay. You can change uh, or you can upgrade, update, whatever. You get 46% off. Um, I, listen, I, I appreciate That's that. Good. Right? Like, I, I, I do. I now, like that. Correct me if I'm wrong, though. I, I feel like there have been teams that have done like a free swap in this situation, haven't they? Where, you know, they come and say, hey, if you've got the old number, just come on in and, and we'll we'll give you a new one or we'll swap out the number or whatever. So I, I but yeah, 46, that's not, that's not bad. That's, uh, that's right. Cause you're right. 46 is a lousy number. That's not a, when I did my, my infamous uh, article on guys who scored a number of goals that match their jersey. That was the problem. Nobody, no real star has a number in the 40s or the 50s. Like that, that just isn't done. You have a low number or you have a high number, but you got to pick one. Um, so uh, yeah, I guess kudos to, to Trevor Zegers for, for making it. Um, but that'll be a fun event. The, the, the one other thing that you didn't mention is uh, also that, that same day, uh, the Arizona Coyotes are going to be holding an event just outside the store where they're going to watch for people coming out. And anyone who's smiling or looking like they're having a good time, they're going to beat you up. So just be aware That's of that. Yeah. No smirking. Don't look like you're enjoying or, or entertained or anything um, because there will be like Jay Beagle and friends will be out there and they'll, uh, they're, they're, they're looking to jump you. See, I thought there was a mullet joke coming. Now, now I get it, though. Now I get it. There, there could have been. There could have been. Yeah, maybe. I didn't know if you were going to go down the tour route because remember, Torts went off on Zegras. You know, I could have done. Two, right? I could have done that too. All right. Yeah, I, gotta, I may have to update my Arizona Coyotes material, but yeah, we we spent more time on the Coyotes this week than we ever have. It's been, don't uh, complain. It's I mean, come good. on, yeah. man. Don't don't say it. We never talk about Arizona Coyotes. That's yeah. Uh, you know, one team that we don't spend a ton of time on, and and they've got a huge uh, passionate fan base. The, the the New York Islanders, and we did talk about them last week. And I, I want to listen to a voicemail because Pat from Long Island. Uh, you, we're going to play this voicemail. Reminder, you can leave us a voicemail at 845-445-8459. You can leave us an email at theathletichockeyshow at gmail.com. Pat from Long Island is a little bit, you know, I don't know what the word, not despondent, but certainly feeling a little bit frustrated that they missed out on Nazem Kadri. Uh, he doesn't seem quite sold on, on Lou Lamorello. Have a listen. Here's Pat from Long Island with a question about the Islanders. Now that Nazem Kadri has signed with Calgary, what does the horizon look like for the New York Islanders? Not that Kadri was the move we needed, but I just feel like we're treading water a little bit, and I wonder if Lou Lamorello has kind of served his purpose on the islands, and I wonder, you know, what is there even to do at this point? Because the island is not a destination for free agents. We've learned that over time, and we just have trouble bringing in talent. We need we need a winger to play with Barzell. We have assets that we can move, but we're in this weird place right now where like our core is aging and a lot of people don't want to come to the island. So what do the Islanders do now that uh, 
had to go off the table. All right. So it, it, it's amazing to me, right? Like on, on some level, like Lou Lamorello constructed an Islanders team that went to back-to-back Eastern Conference finals. They mm-hmm. miss out of the playoffs by one year. And now everyone's like, well, they were only there because of Barry Trotz. Lou is a dinosaur. Lou's out of touch. He's not doing anything. Uh, boy, there, there's a lot of anger there uh, towards Lou Lamorello for basically Islanders fans feeling like he just sat on his hands all summer. I mean, yeah, Pat's like, hey, what, what, what's next for the Islanders? And I, boy, I'm having a hard time coming up with an answer that would be satisfactory because as we yeah. talked about earlier, like there, there's nobody really like, what, are they going to ch- trade for JT Miller? Oh, maybe, but there's uh, nobody yeah, out there that, maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe that we, that's what we're going to will into existence. But yeah, I, I mean, what do, you, what do you tell Islanders fans right now? Yeah, uh, it's it is tough. And I mean, we we remarked on it last week when we were looking over Dom's front office confidence ratings that the Islanders had really plummeted down that list, uh, and that was even before the the cadre news. So uh, it's it's been tough, and and yeah, I, I think a lot of the shine is off now. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I I'd say this, and and I don't know that this helps or or makes it worse for Islander fans. I, I don't think. Signing Nazem Kadri would have significantly moved the needle for me on on what I'm expecting from the Islanders this year, um, and and part of that's because it's just you know the the roster it's an older roster, um, they're not capped out. They had the money to go and spend, but you know they 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 certainly don't have as much flexibility as you would like a team coming off that sort of record. I guess the the two things you could point to if if you're looking for optimism, the Islanders is one is the coaching change, uh, you know, we have lots of teams make a coaching change and they get at least a short-term boost out of it. And Lane Lambert has been waiting a long time. Maybe he's going to be one of those guys who steps in and, and really reworks things. The fact that he's replacing a guy in Barry Trotz that I consider one of, if not the best coaches in the league, makes that a, a, a tougher ask uh, for sure. But, you know, maybe that that is the, you know, the, when you look at a team that was this bad last year and you look at the, the roster being the same, you're looking for anything that changed. And, and that's the big change is behind the bench. The other piece of it would be that I think there's at least an argument to be made that you look at these Islanders, they were really, really good for the last two years. Stanley Cup contenders for, for two, three years, really. And then last year, it was a disaster. But I think you could argue that last year is is one of those years that maybe you just write off a lot of it. They they started with that big 13-game road, road trip, trip while they were waiting for the arena. Came in, by the time they got to the new arena, the, like they were already well out of the playoffs. Um, just never seemed to get going. Head injuries, head COVID issues, like a lot of teams did. You You can't hold that up as something that was unique to the Islanders. But I do feel like you could look at this and say, this was a good team for a long enough time that we should be at least willing to consider the fact that last year was just one of those years where everything went wrong and you, and you kind of burn the tapes and say, we, you know, we move forward and we expect that we're going to be a lot more like the two years ago team than the one year ago team. We get the whole year at the new arena, all that, all that stuff. Um, I guess that's where I, I find the optimism if I'm an Islanders fan looking for it. Um, Cause you're, you're certainly not finding it on any roster changes because they're just, Really haven't been any. You know, it, it's interesting because you mentioned that the Islanders had a, and, and they did. They they were a very good team under Barry Trotz. As I mentioned, they got they got the back to back 
conference finals really were within a goal of getting to the cup final two years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, they missed the playoffs last year by a, a healthy margin. You know, they had 80, whatever, 84 points and the cutoff was 100. If you were looking at all the teams that missed the playoffs in the East last year. So I'll give you the list of teams that missed the playoffs in the East last year. The Islanders, the Blue Jackets, the Sabres, Red Wings, Senators, Devils, uh, Flyers, and, and, and Habs. Of those teams, you, you get to pick one that you're like, you know what? I think this team is going to take that leap up and maybe they pull down, you know, Boston or Washington or whoever you think might be vulnerable. Um, mm-hmm. Are the Islanders still at the head of that pack or it, it have, 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 has another team taken over that you're like, I have a better feeling that this team is going to make the playoffs in the East and not the Islanders? I mean, the Islanders feel like such an unsexy pick because you're picking a team that, you know, was – uh, you know, a, a legit contender last year. It's so much more fun to pick a team like Ottawa or Detroit or Jersey and say, this is the year they make the big leap. And then you look real smart if you're right. And if you're wrong, everyone forgets about it. Whereas if you're, you pick the Islanders, even if they make it, everyone goes, yeah, way to go. You picked the final four team from the year before. I do think it might be the Islanders though. Like the, the path back feels a lot more doable in the Metro than the Atlantic, doesn't it? I mean, it feels like the Atlantic has three spots locked in and, and we were kind of ready to maybe downgrade the Bruins, but I, I feel like now the Bergeron's back and with David Krejci back, you're starting to feel like, okay, you know, the Bruins should be all right. In the Metro, you've got those those two teams, Pittsburgh and Washington, the older teams who we've been waiting for the drop-off. And you kind of feel like it's going to be sudden. Like, I, I feel right. like maybe that's the path. And you could have crossover wild cards in that, I know. So, um, you know, there's there's hope maybe there for for the Ottawa's and Detroit's too. But I do feel like it's it's not hard for me to envision a season where we're 40 games into the year, the Islanders are humming along at a 100-point pace, and we all go, oh, right, this is a pretty good team when everything isn't going wrong the way it was last year. Now, are Blue Jackets fans yelling – at their Bluetooth speaker right now, like, hey, we finished whatever. They, they finished, I think, 10th in the conference last year. So they weren't as low as, you know, Ottawa and Detroit and Jersey and Buffalo and all that. And now they added arguably the biggest free agent on the market. Mm-hmm. Should Jackets fans have any playoff aspirations? But my answer would be you were 20 points out of the playoffs. And you, Johnny Gaudreau doesn't give you 20 points. I don't think. Um, now, we've seen teams make leaps like that. And in fact, yeah. it, it feels like most years, there's at least one or two teams that we, you know, we say, well, they're a few years away, and then they make the big leap. Uh, could it be Columbus? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, could they leapfrog the Islanders, who they were three points back of last year? Yeah, I, I mean, there's there's certainly, you know, if, if you're a Blue Jackets fan, you want to yell at me, I think that's... That's what you're yelling, right? Is you know, you're how how are we not better than the Islanders heading into into next year uh, in the projections? Uh, and yeah, I mean, it 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 could be, but um, yeah, I'm I'm really curious to see what happens with the coaching change with the Islanders. I, I really feel like that could be that could be the that could be the move that that sets them back on track, or it could end up being a disaster. You know, we've seen guys wait a long time to get their their shot at the NHL, and then it just doesn't work for them. And some of those guys have been hired by Lou Lamorello. So 
you know, Lou's, Lou's got a very varied and interesting career, but some of that career includes some pretty bad coaching decisions. And, you know, you, you, nobody, no Islander fan wants to hear the word, uh, the, the name John McClain get mentioned right now. So, no. uh, you know, we'll, we'll work around that, but uh, I'm, I'm fascinated to, to see where it goes. And, you know, Columbus, yeah, uh, I mean, I, I probably am selling them a little bit shorter than I should be. You know, I, I, I got another project for the Down Goes Brown intern. Um, how many times in the salary cap, and I think salary cap is the best way to do it because it's kind of, for the most part, you're comparing apples to apples. How many years have we had the same eight teams from a conference qualify for the playoffs the following year? Like, like that, mm-hmm. that discrepancy between the eighth place team last year, which was Washington at 100 points, and the ninth place team with the Islanders was, you know, as big of a gap as we've seen. Like there was, a, it was yeah. a clear gap. Like it was a significant gap. It wasn't like the West where you know Vegas and Vancouver and these teams were kind of they were kind of pushing. No race. There was, there was no, no race. race in the East. And I remember right. I, I wrote a piece in like December last yeah, year. Yeah, it was lock it in. It was over. It was over done, by Christmas. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I wonder, has there ever been a season in the cap era where the same eight teams? Have made the playoffs in the same conference in back to back years. Think I don't there think there so. has been, and and there certainly haven't been many. Yeah, and you know it's yeah it. I mean, it feels like you look at those at, at those teams and you just go like, where is the change coming? How is one of these teams gonna gonna slip down that far? And yet, like, doesn't it feel like it, it has to happen? Like we're we're gonna get to the end it of next season and we're gonna be like, yeah, okay, and uh, it, you know, but the. That is what makes it tough is a lot of those teams that I'm talking about, you know, I know everyone, Ottawa had the summer of Pierre and Detroit, everybody loves it. Those teams were 30 points out of the playoffs. Like, man, to make up 30 points is an enormous gap. Um, But somebody will probably do it. It'll probably be some team whose goalie just goes on a year-long heater and everything goes right. And, uh, you know, we've, we have seen it happen over and over again um, most years. It's just a question of finding it because you, yeah. you make that pick and then you're you're the smart one. But uh, man, like New Jersey's 40 points out of a playoff spot. I, I just don't see how they make all that ground up, even with all but, the young talent that they've got. But it's got to be somewhere. Yeah. Remember last year, though, like if nobody would have ever thought in a million years Vegas was missing the playoffs, right? They, they felt... Not as at all. close yep. to a lock uh, as mm-hmm. you would get. I, I'll and say this. I'll say this. The, yeah. I've, I've done the last two years, I've done a contest uh, at the yes. beginning of the season where I, I say, give me five teams that are definitely going to make the playoffs. Give me five teams that are definitely going to miss. Um, and, and when I started that two years ago, I remember thinking like the, the team that's going to miss the playoffs, that, that'll be what trips people up because there's always somebody, some team that is, everyone thinks is going to be terrible that makes the big jump. And it hasn't really happened the last two years. Last year, Vegas missing the playoffs took out a huge number of people. Like it was like 80 or 90% of the entries had Vegas. But there hasn't been something similar on as far as the the teams that that missed the playoffs. Like two years ago, everybody just picked the seven teams that didn't make it into the bubble, and they were all bad again. And last year, the the one that was close last year was Anaheim. Because everybody thought Anaheim was going to be awful. And remember, they were leading the Pacific halfway through the season and then and then they collapsed so that was the closest to to having a team do it but we're it's been two years since we've really seen a team come out of nowhere yeah maybe that means we're due or maybe that means something's something's changed i'm not sure 
Yeah. And yeah, like I said, it'll be interesting to see, but certainly uh, there's going to be a huge gap for somebody to uh, to overcome. And, and I'm sure uh, as uh, as our caller, Pat from Long Island, is hoping that it's uh, the Islanders that that can do that. Uh, listen, let, let, let's answer a few more questions here uh, to, to kind of round out the podcast because we, we got a whole bunch of them here. Um, okay, this one's from Jay. Actually, Jay's got a couple of questions here. Uh, Jay says, look, I'm going to ask you a couple of off-season questions here about Canada. Let me start with this. I just visited Quebec, Montreal, and Ottawa, all great cities. And my wife and I had a great time. However, I found it odd that you guys use the metric system on certain things, i.e. driving, but when people uh, describe how tall they are or how much they weigh, uh, they're back to using the American system. Why is that? I'll tell, yeah. you, I'll tell you, Jay, I, nobody in Canada knows how tall they are in meters. Yeah. I don't, I have no clue. And you I'm see that nine, sometimes where they'll I be like, this guy's, this guy's 1.73 meters. And you're like, yeah. I have no idea if that's tall or short. I can do the math in my head because it's a little more straightforward, but yeah, no, it's, it, but you know what? I, I'll, I'll give you what I think is the answer to this. It's sports. It's, we get, we, we have so much overlap with American sports that that's where we, that's where you hear height and weight the most uh, is, is through sports. Uh, and so that's where the overlap comes in. You know, you're talking to an American, and they'll be like, okay, this is 20 miles away. And you're like, whatever, I don't need to know that. But if they're like, oh, yeah, the, the guy who just, this quarterback is only six foot two, okay, you know what that means right away. So I feel like, certainly myself growing up, that's the only time I ever cared about height and weight, really, was when you're looking down the roster. And that's, uh, you know, that's uh, the the one crucial measurement that we kind of kept from, uh, uh, from our, our American imperial friends. Yeah. What, what's weird is that we use for temperature outside, we use Celsius, like, you know, 35 mm-hmm. degrees Celsius. You know, it's close to whatever, close to 95 Fahrenheit. But with our ovens, we use Fahrenheit. Nobody in Canada has it. I don't think. Does anybody in Canada have an, you know what, an oven that is I never, with I never Celsius? I never thought of that. I don't think yeah. so. It's weird, right? Like, we all were mm-hmm. like, oh, set the oven to 450 or 400 Fahrenheit. Because that's again, that's um, the recipe book, right? You need that <laughs> right. for the, uh, yeah. Or, uh, and, then, and then you get, you know, however many teaspoons or whatever you're supposed to put into the recipe. And then the, then you're completely. Yeah. It, it, I, I, I do find, like, I spend way too much time Googling, like, milliliters to ounces or whatever and uh having to figure figure that out because because i can't uh you do go back and forth on that but yeah i never thought of that with the oven man that's okay yeah. that's gonna ruin my, my it's ruin your day uh I, okay so jay also has a hockey related question for us uh saying how come the winnipeg jets are in the business of retiring jersey numbers of players who used to play for the coyotes um uh, they should be uh, they should be raising Kovalchuk's number seventeen to the rafters. I mean, what's next? Are the Avalanche going to raise Lanny McDonald's number nine to the rafters in the Rockies? So yeah, uh, I don't. The Jets have not retired any Thrasher. Or, or, no, and sorry, yeah, and I think I think that's what he meant. Yeah, uh, he's why looking, are the Jets you know, retiring with, former? Why are the Jets retiring former? The Coyotes have retired former Jets, but people who you know like have, Howard Chuck, have read right? my stuff. Well, it's weird, okay? It's it, It's been weird because what happened is when the original Jets moved to Arizona, they initially honored those retired numbers because the Jets had some retired numbers. And then they 
I think shifted them. They they basically unretired them and started treating them as honored numbers. And some of them got used and some of them didn't. But I don't believe the Coyotes officially have retired. Um, you know, like they had Bobby Hull was a guy that had a number uh, at one point retired by the Arizona Coyotes. Well, he, you know, he never played for them, briefly played for Winnipeg. And I think it ends up in a place where like Dale Howarchuk's number is not retired by either franchise right now, uh, although Winnipeg is is going to do it. I've always said, when it comes to this stuff, people know me, they know my stance. The Jets are the Jets. The Jets should be honoring, if they're going to retire guys, uh, they should they, they should be retiring guys who played in Winnipeg with the original Jets. Dale Howarchuk's number absolutely should be hanging from the rafters of the NHL team in Winnipeg. Um, I don't think Arizona's under any obligation to honor those guys. I don't think Certainly, the uh, modern Jets are under any obligation to be honoring Thrashers guys, uh, and I feel the same way about the record book. It's it's ridiculous to me if you know if if you're like oh, who's you know who's the greatest goal scoring winger in Jets history, and you go oh, Timu Solani, and somebody goes, well, actually, Timu Solani is number one for the Coyotes. It's Ilya Kovalchuk is number one for the Jets, and you're like, shut up. That's that's <laughs> not how any no fan yeah. thinks like that, man. There's nobody so. Don't don't worry about Kovalchuk, but yes, they should get those uh, those old original Jets. Get those numbers up there because uh, the Jets are the Jets. As far as the fan, the way fans think about it is, yeah, you know, it's funny that you you bring this up. So in Ottawa, they have the number eight is retired uh, in honor of Frank Finnegan, who played with the original iteration of the Senators way back yeah. in the early twentieth century. Okay, mm-hmm. but the number is retired from the current Senators that have been around for thirty years. Why I bring this up is it was funny. I went to visit Jake Sanderson in North Dakota uh, last season. And Jake, first round pick for Ottawa. And uh, I, I, I kind of at the end of our chat, I, I give him a throwaway question. I'm like, hey, what uh, what jersey number are you going to wear in Ottawa? And he says to me, oh, I've already got it picked out. It's going to be eight. He says, I love it because nobody's wearing eight right now. I'm like, oh, Jake. I, you have to be the bearer of I bad hate news to break on the, the news. Hey, you you should you know that. You should have looked at his face. It was like that Ralph Wiggum. Oh, you could pinpoint the <laughs> exact pinpoint moment. Yeah, point yeah, the yeah. moment his heart breaks. Uh, it it was that, and he was like, "Oh That's no!" Tough. Like it shows you that, like you know, because his dad wore know, he, eight mostly, right? Like that uh, was, Jeff, yeah, Jeff wore yeah. Uh, eight or eighty, right? I think eighty for a while, yeah. and then Jake contemplated wearing eighty. Anyway, it's uh, it, it's it was funny just to see his face when I'm like, ah, actually, yeah. you can't wear eight. Um, anyway, so that. Oh, boy. Uh, that's yeah. uh, that's a tough one. Yeah, that is. Yeah. Uh, oh. I, I did feel like I had some power. It's the first time in my life I actually told an NHL player, like, you can't wear that number. Yeah. Um, you, to, you don't have uh, to get to say no to an NHL no. player. Like, <laughs> yeah. Shoot him down. Yeah. Try again. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream direct TV satellite free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get direct TV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream direct TV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next, you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream direct TV without a satellite dish. Call 1 800 direct TV. Terms or restrictions apply.
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply. We'll get back to the podcast in a second, but first a word from our friends at Grammarly. And look, we are professional writers by trade, so we know that communication is the key. And maybe you're not a professional writer, but Grammarly can make you more confident in your writing and make you a little bit more efficient and help you work day-to-day at your job. Grammarly is your AI writing partner to help you communicate more effectively and efficiently so you can have that bigger impact at your place of work. Think about this. 96% of Grammarly users report that Grammarly helps them craft more impactful writing. That's a pretty good stat. Grammarly works across 500,000 apps and websites. And by understanding your writing and your context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions, tailor-made for you. Their tone suggestions, they'll even help you navigate even through the most difficult conversations at work. You can save time with one click, go from editing drafts in hours to seconds. Talking about stats, 93% of professionals using Grammarly Premium report that it helps them get more work done. Sign up and download for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly, G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Uh, Got a couple other questions here. Patrick uh, writes in, had a random thought for you guys on an August night. Uh, I want to know maybe who holds the record for scoring the most overtime playoff goals with the most number of teams. I looked it up, and Doug Gilmore and Marty Havlat have scored overtime goals with three different franchises. That's the most I could think of. Is there anybody else who has scored overtime goals for three different teams or maybe somebody who scored an overtime goal with four teams? Can you help me out? It's keeping me up at night. That's from Patrick. Well, Patrick, that's what we're here right. for. Um, so I looked yeah, it you- up. You said you looked it up. Okay. Because I, I, I was going to. And I then I, I looked didn't. it up. Yeah. No, no. I looked so, it up. Yeah. And again, let's give a tip of the hat to our friends at uh, Stathead within oh, uh, the hockey reference could umbrella. Could not do it without those guys. You can't, we, we can't do these kinds of, you know, get to the bottom of these things without their uh, un- unbelievable search tool. So I looked mm-hmm. up overtime playoff goals. I had to go through the entire, I think there's been a, almost a thousand all time. Stanley Cup playoff overtime goals. So I had to put them all in a list and then sort alphabetically so then I could see when a guy would show up. You you can't do it by date, right? Because if you do it by date, uh, you know, Dino Cicerelli did one in 1983, then he did it in 1980, and you're like, wait. So, Patrick, I can tell you, I think you got it right. I think Doug Gilmore, who had overtime goals with St. Louis, Calgary, and Toronto, and Marty Havlat, who had overtime goals with Ottawa, uh, Chicago, and San Jose, are the only players to ever get an overtime goal with three different teams. I could not find anybody who fit the criteria of four, and I couldn't even find another guy who did it with three teams. Now, I'll, I'll give you, Sean, I'm going to give you some guys who yep. did it with two teams that I like. I, I thought, okay, well, maybe these guys 
could have okay. been in the running. You you do three that, teams. and then I think there's another three team guy. Oh, okay. Well, no, who's the three team guy that you're thinking of? I think Glenn Anderson did it because oh, Glenn Anderson, you know, what? had a goal. He had a, an overtime goal for the Leafs against the Kings, Game Five, and then he had a goal for the Blues against the Leafs. You're right. You know what? A I just looked at so you know what? Okay. He's at he the He must end have had the, the Fred. Yeah. No, no. You're, yeah, you're right. So it was you know what? You're right. Glenn Anderson. It's in reverse alphabetical order. Oh, and no. The, no, here's the problem for me. Glenn yeah. Anderson came up with Josh Anderson and anyway, it it all melded together. You're right. Glenn Anderson scored a overtime goal with St. Louis against Toronto, with Toronto against LA and then three overtime goals with Edmonton. Yeah. Okay. So you're right. So Glenn Anderson, Marty Havlad, Doug Gilmore. There you go. All right. So who there are the go. guys? Because let me let me throw some names at you. Because here are the guys that I would have I would have been checking. Yeah. Um. So you're looking at uh, obviously uh, Joe Newendike would come to mind. Joe Newendike, yeah, only had overtime goals, I believe, with Dallas. Okay. Uh, Claude Lemieux would be Claude Lemieux. Uh, I want you to guess the two teams Claude Lemieux scored. Playoff overtime goals. Montreal and New Jersey. Surprisingly, Montreal and Colorado. He didn't get one with New Jersey. Okay. Yeah, that would. All right. That would that would surprise me. Um, The other guy that I would be thinking is uh, Martin Jelena. Went on that incredible stretch where he was he was Mr. OT. Yeah. And so he did it with um, with Calgary and Carolina. But never with uh, you know Edmonton or Vancouver, or, you know all the other places uh, that he went. Some other guys that I thought might have been in the running, like Brett Hull, he did it with yes. Dallas and St. Louis, but not you know Calgary or uh, Detroit. I thought Marion Hosa. I was like, oh, Marion Hosa. Oh yeah, like, yeah, that's like, he played so many playoff games. That's a great one. And he was with Ottawa and Detroit and Chicago and Pittsburgh. And nope, he only did it with Chicago and Pittsburgh. Even Wayne Gretzky, I thought for a second. Well, you know Wayne. At the end, there had had a, had a pretty lengthy playoff run with the Rangers, but he just did it mm-hmm. with LA and Edmonton. Uh, Dino Cicerelli was Washington, Minnesota. Uh, you know, so I, uh, Ron Francis. Even I thought even we could sneak Hartford in there with Carolina, but no, yep. he was just Carolina, Pittsburgh. Uh, so yeah, anyway, that was a that was a great question. So yeah, that's, Glenn Anderson, that's a real good one. Marty Havlat, Doug Gilmore, and I looked at uh, I just looked at a Corey Perry, close, but yeah, he had, he, he, had he did it with. Right? He did it. He did it with Anaheim and Dallas, but not Tampa this year. Not Montreal last year. And you know, you would have figured there was, there was, there's lots of guys that you would thought think okay, well they they'd have a great chance to potentially do it. But yeah, that uh, mm-hmm. from from what I could gather there, and you're right, yeah, g- good catch on Glenn Anderson because he was right at the very end of the reverse alphabetical list, so it was easy to look him up. And um, yeah, remarkable to to see that that. Nobody has ever scored a playoff overtime goal for four teams. And you would think it's going to be awfully hard to do that, right? Like just with – feels like there's less player movement not than lot. there was in the yeah. 80s and 90s, mm-hmm. uh, you know? Yeah, so. I'm kind of looking at the guys that are active or, you know, I mean, uh, Corey Perry had his shot at it. But other than that, you, you just don't see guys move around as much. Um, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't see a lot of guys that uh, – but you never know. Somebody, somebody will come along and potentially surprise us. Um, let, let's wrap up here with a couple of things. Uh, we talked about, uh, we had a question from a listener last week asking, uh, is there a name for a hat trick when you score an even strength power play and a shorthanded goal? Uh, what do we uh, settle on? The Petri Skrikos? I think it's, yeah, the, the Petrick. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, Kevin says, taking the cue from baseball, uh, how come nobody has called a shorty power play and even strength goal hat trick a cycle hat trick? Yeah, it's not bad. Doesn't a cycle pretty good. Need, doesn't a cycle need four? I mean, it tr- it shouldn't. There's not, but it's, it's I, I mean, I guess basically baseball, baseball. Yeah, you needed four, but it feels like it would need uh, like it would we we'd want the four in there. But let's uh, say, I mean, it's not bad. It's definitely yeah. not bad. And then one other thing, Adam from Pittsburgh has written into the podcast, and we talked about the night Mario Lemieux scored five goals in five different ways, right? Empty mm-hmm. net, uh, uh, penalty shot, even strength, power play, and, and shorty. And Adam says, just listened uh, to the podcast last week about scoring different goals in different ways. I really enjoyed Sean's point that a player can score five goals in fewer than five ways. Um, and so I thought I would bring the light, the fact that this Almost happened for Sidney Crosby in 2010. He scored three goals in four different ways. He had an even strength goal, a power play goal, and then finished it off with a short-handed empty netter. The crazy part, Sid also had a penalty shot in that game and missed. So if we assumed he scored on that penalty shot and the rest of the game played out the same way, maybe it wouldn't have, maybe it would have, but Sid would have actually pulled off the feat of scoring five different ways on four goals. And as far as I know, I think that's the closest anybody's come to pulling it off. P.S. Sean, as a Penguins fan, one way you can get back into my good graces is if you openly admit that the Kevin Stevens guarantee against Boston in 1991 is far superior to Mark Messier's guarantee in 1994. Far superior. That's that's tough, but you know what? I I consider that. I I mean, I'm going to have to go back and read up on the Kevin Stevens guarantee, but if if I remember right... I think that was didn't weren't they down in the series? Two nothing. He, I think right. Yeah, and and was he didn't just say nothing? like we're going to win the next game. He said we're going to win four straight and win the series, and then they did. As opposed to Messier, who just said we'll be back for Game Seven, didn't even guarantee they'd win the series. He just guaranteed one game. Yeah. So yeah, that's uh, that's not a bad uh, you know that's not a bad one. That's uh, I'd have to think more about. And you know what? I the other thing I got to look up is. What did Kevin Stevens do in oh, that I got series? It. I got it here. You do? Okay. okay. Well, that's okay. that's what I want so to hear. So Kevin because... Stevens, you, oh, yeah, we were right. They were down 2 nothing in that. I, I feel like did Vladimir Ruzinska score 92? like a, 91, I believe. Okay. Mm-hmm. Did, did Vladimir Ruzinska like score a big overtime goal? Like to, I think he I think he put them up 2 nothing for the Bruins and it felt okay. like it was. Okay. So here's the quote uh, from Kevin Stevens after losing game two. It was a heartbreaker, but when we get home, we will beat them. I'll say it now. We will beat them. Um, okay? So, okay. I don't know how we feel. Like, Is that him just saying we're going to tie up the series into a piece? Whatever. The rest of the series... Uh, oh, boy. Kevin, in game five of that series, Kevin Stevens had two goals and five points. Oh, boy. In game five. He okay. finished the series with six goals and ten points. Hmm. That's the problem not is Messi bad. scored a, a hat trick in the third period. Yeah, but one of them of was an game. empty netter. One of them was yeah. an empty netter, and it was like a hundred and seventy foot empty netter. So, but weren't I, they uh, down two nothing in that game? Okay, listen to this quote. Though. Here's here's according uh, to the piece that, that we have on our site. This. The Kevin Stevens quote, apparently, Kevin Stevens said, this is after they lose that second game. 
He, Kevin Stevens says repeatedly, we're going to win four straight. Write it. We're going to win four straight. So he actually called the shot. I mean, it's a much more impressive prediction. Let's put aside guarantee, maybe. That's a more impressive prediction. I mean, saying now oh, we're going to win a game is is fine. But saying that you're going to beat the Penguins. Well, I don't see that. Where's this quote? I, I'm seeing him. We're confident we can beat them. We will beat them. I'll say it right now. We'll beat them. I don't see him say he says are you we're going to win four straight. Are, are, are you on the uh, the the athletic uh, the version? Uh, All right, I'm, gonna, I, I'm not. No, okay. <laughs> that, that's All right. this the, is this the is guy, this is a problem. The athletic right writer is not on the athletic. Do you I'm not do you not have a, do you not have a subscription? Site. Is that the problem? Yeah, exactly. All right, I just sent it to you in the uh, in the okay. chat. You click on okay, that so, and you geez. and 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 do a control F for four straight, and it's down. Uh, uh, you got to go a couple of times but man stevens then saw some of the pittsburgh reporters who weren't initially involved in the gathering called them over and repeated the same words to them oh wow sweating through his white dress shirt in the heat of the locker room stevens said repeatedly we're going to win four straight write it we're gonna win four straight see adding the sweating through the dress shirt was he sweating because he was like i'm nervous to be making this don't man kevin he was such a great player he was like, such a wrecking a ball that player. year. He was yeah. so good. And so, like, yeah, I'm looking at this. So he makes the guarantee. Next game, he comes out. He scores the first goal, sets up the second. They go on to win. Game four, they win again. Uh, they're up 2 nothing. Boston comes back, makes a 2-1. He scores the insurance goal at the end to put it away. Game five, yeah, like you said, five points. It's a five-point game. And that's game. That's game five. That's where they eat. go back to Boston, right? Because it's one thing to win the two at home, but then they go back to Boston and just absolutely pump them. And he has the game of uh, the game of the series. He has eight Boy, points that's... in the three. So in the three games after he makes the guarantee, he has eight points. You know what? That's this is. I, I will at the very least admit, say that needs to be higher up the, the yes, list of guarantees. Absolutely. I, you know what? Because they won uh, the I, cup that year, and that was their first cup. Remember Pittsburgh I, for a long time? They were the, you know, the Leafs or whoever, and that they just couldn't get over good regular season sometimes, but they couldn't get over the hump in the playoffs. One percent. Um. Yeah. Yes. You know what? That's uh, Adam from Pittsburgh. You have opened you. You know what? I'm you intrigued. have educated I'm, you know, us. You've educated yeah. us. Yeah, I appreciate that. I, like you would think that the two of us who were as big a hockey fans as you would find in the '90s would be more well-versed in the Kevin Stevens guarantee. And we're, we're clearly mm-hmm. not. Yeah. No, it's and it should get more attention. Because, God, we all know the Mark Messier guarantee. That has been hammered over our heads for going on 30 years now. Uh, this this Mark Messier guarantee. Boy, this you put these two side by side. This, this one's looking pretty good. Yeah. Okay, and one more. Let me real quick. Let me wrap up with one more. Uh, email from a listener because last week we talked about shorthanded goals and how some players in the 80s had higher shorthanded goal totals than we would have ever thought, including, I think mean, Bernie Nichols had what, 20, did I say 28 shorthanded goals? It was something some, like that. Whatever some it was, very 28 number like that. Short, yeah. Okay. And we were shocked that, that, that Bernie Nichols, who was really known as a very offensive oriented player, would have been on the ice killing penalties and then let alone scoring 28 shorthanded goals. Mitchell says, look, I just want to write in to say I'm so tired of everybody acting surprised when they find out Bernie Nichols was a good hockey player. Everybody writes him off as a random 70-goal scorer, but guess what? 
Take away that quote-unquote random 70-goal, 150-point season, his numbers still look like this. 1,048 games played, 400 goals, 1,059 points. That's right, still over a point per game, over 1,000 points, uh, better than guys like Brian Bellows, Rick Tockett, Steve Larmer, Bobby Smith, all from the same era, all who get more respect than Bernie Nichols. And don't say his numbers are because of Gretzky, because he was not even a line mate of Gretzky that season. Um, so was I surprised that he was good at scoring shorthanded goals? Of course not, because Bernie Nichols was really freaking good. Love everything that you guys do, except when you're disrespecting Bernie Nichols. That's uh, Mitchell. Here come the Bernie bros. Yeah. They are. Yeah. All right. You know, yeah, point. I, I concede the points, man. And yes. I'm, I'm not, I think you can respect and admire Bernie Nichols' career and his production and still, I, I wouldn't say the, the 70 goal, 150 point year was random, but still be shocked at the uh, discrepancy between that and the rest of his production. But yeah, Bernie Nichols was a, a real good player. And, and again, to say it, he didn't play on Gretzky's line that year because they were both centers. They played on the power play together, but he, he it wasn't like Wayne Gretzky was just bouncing uh, passes off of uh, Bernie Nichols' skate uh, into the net over and over. He uh, he he earned those those goals. Yeah, exactly. It, it, I know he he gets it. It's funny, like he gets painted with the brush of I can't believe this guy um, got the seventy goals, but like. You know, it's a remarkable, remarkable accomplishment, 70 goals. Um, it was, and and in, also in his his other great achievement was um, he was traded uh, <laughs> from the Devils this, to the... This is the dad from, joke of all dad jokes. It is. It's, well, it's it's the second best, but the he was traded from the Oilers to New Jersey for Zidane Seagar, and one of the writers, I'm assuming in New York, said, it's nice to know in this day and age that you can still get a cigar for a Nichols. That's that was good. before. That, that that's was right that, up there. It, that's right up there with the Taco Bell trade. I mean, that is. Those Taco. are the two. Those are yeah. the two that are really stand out. And those those are great because it's pre Twitter. Like, imagine whoever dropped yeah, these that's uh, right. cigar for a Nichols joke. They oh. did that. Like, they had to like thousand, send that into retweets. their editor. Easily. Yeah, yeah, and they yeah. had to go. Yeah. Uh, hey, real quick, we're gonna wrap up the show this week in hockey history. Real quick, because this is a this is a remarkable story that we probably don't spend enough time talking about, but. Uh, this week in hockey history, August 24th, 1980, um, Peter Stastny and his brother Anton defected at a hockey tournament in Austria. So they're playing for what was then called Czechoslovakia, play for the national team. And basically the owner of the Quebec Nordiques, Marcelo Bou, and their, their team's director of player personnel, Gilles Leger, arranged for the, the brothers to escape to uh, Vienna after the game. And and they they arranged for uh, Peter Stastny's wife to get to Montreal, and like it was real some real cloak and dagger stuff. But yeah, uh, boy, like it's one of the most remarkable stories in the history uh, of the NHL that the Quebec Nordiques engineered a defection of two star players in Peter Stastny, Anton Stastny, this week in 1980. Almost impossible for a like a modern fan to to think through and understand what you know guys like this. The Alexander McGillney situation a decade later was, uh, you know, was was very similar. Um, it just uh, it, real, like you said, cloak and dagger. This is spy movie stuff. I mean, this was this yeah. was no joke. This wasn't just a you know case of walking, you know, walking across the street to the embassy and saying, you know, I want to go here now or, or buying a plane ticket. This was 
you know, th- this if if you got caught, uh, there were there there were real consequences, and and even when you did make the decision to leave, uh, you knew that you know family that was left behind was uh, in potentially at risk of of consequences. It was pretty amazing stuff um, that uh, that went on back then. Yeah, no, remarkable, and uh, I would encourage. Uh, there's, there's some great uh, kind of little documentaries or little articles you can read on that. It just a uh, just a phenomenal story of of what the Stastny brothers did uh, this week back in 1980. All right, we're gonna leave it there. Um, we, we, you know what? I feel like I learned, like, I feel like I learned something this week. I feel like I learned something about the, uh, the Kevin Stevens guarantee, the legend. Yeah. You know, yeah, I, yeah. I feel, I feel better now. And, and the, and the history of the mullets, like, uh, you know, that your, it didn't come Billy until Ray 1994. Cyrus, uh, yeah. you know, the fandom, yeah. you know, we, that's, we always say on this part, we want to laugh a little bit and we want to learn a little bit. And that's, that's been a good day. Yeah, there you go. We'll leave it there. All right. I want to thank everybody for joining. I don't think we joining. made anyone laugh this week. No, no yeah, nobody we, laughed. Exactly. You learned a few things. Only the two of us learned some things and yeah. nobody laughed. That's, yeah, the, that's it. That's the One for two. Not bad. Yeah. That's all right. <laughs> Not bad at all. All right. We'll leave it there. We'll uh, talk to you again down the road. We're going to take uh, next week off, but uh, we'll be back first week of September. There's going to be so many great storylines for us uh, to tackle. Uh, between now and then, drop us any questions at Show at gmail.com, or you can be like Pat from Long Island. Leave us a, a voicemail at 845-445-8459. I promise, even though during that uh, Kevin Stevens thing, it looked like I wasn't an athletic subscriber. I am. Uh, but if you're not, you can join us at theathletic.com slash hockey show. Get an annual subscription for a dollar a month. For the first six months, you can also uh, subscribe to The Athletic Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts. You'll get all of our bonus content from the network. Start with a 30-day free trial. And then after that, it's just 99 cents a month. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.